hey, happy Monday to you. Hey, if you got your Bible ready, let's go ahead and open to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, a wonderfully rich book, and uh, we've been making our way through it as we've been talking about various topics and things we always want to come back to teaching through the Word of God verse by verse. And um, we're going to do that today, picking up where we left off last time, starting in verse 8, where Paul continues to speak to the Colossians here, and he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the hum- uh, according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, or you are complete in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. I like that opening um, picture that is painted. See to it that no one takes you captive. It's exactly what false teaching can do. Notice he says, see to it that no one takes you captive. There are philosophies out there that uh, are sort of uh, just pervade the landscape, um, typically in media and entertainment, ideas that are very self-based and things like that. Uh, Those things can certainly lead us astray. Those kinds of uh, elementary spirits or elemental spirits, uh, basic principles that that again are sort of the undercurrent that can suck you under and take you away uh, from the fullness that comes in our relationship with Christ in whom we've been filled with the fullness of Christ. And so we want to avoid those things, but specifically, notice again, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive. Uh, Now in their time, Paul was dealing with a number of different uh, assaults from different uh, fronts. You had, of course, uh, in a church that was predominantly Gentile, Uh, you had all kinds of just religious views and beliefs that might permeate uh, the culture there. Uh, Greek gods and goddesses, Roman gods and goddesses, things like this. Um, You had that to deal with, but you also had uh, the Judaizers that were coming through, oftentimes trying to put people back under the law, even though they were free by the grace of Christ through that finished work he accomplished on the cross. And so whether it be legalism, whether it be false religions, whether it be just the, the undertow that kind of uh, rolls through um, uh, society and permeates uh, society, let no one take you captive. Now, the idea of captive is exactly what it sounds like. Paul, again, would have been familiar with this idea, his people Israel, having often been taken captive uh, throughout their history. The idea of nations coming in and overtaking them and taking them captive to their lands against their will. Now in that context, in that kind of a physical setting where one enemy nation comes against Israel and takes her captive, uh, they had no real choice in the matter. They couldn't just decide, no, we're not gonna do that. I mean, they would fight and they would do battle, but ultimately when they lost, they were taken away. When it comes to the marketplace of ideas, when it comes to false religions, when it comes to principles and ideas that permeate society, it's, it's still a battle. It is definitely uh, warfare that we face. I mean, the devil has many, many different avenues through which he can attack people, assault people. And it's generally an attack against the mind and against the heart. There is physical suffering that takes place that he's uh, behind as well. But by and large, when it comes to especially what Paul is talking about here, the idea here is deceptive kinds of philosophies and, and, and views and worldviews and even religions that would seek to take us captive. In other words, lead us away from the freedom that we have in Christ and instead enshackle us, put us in bondage to their own 
pernicious ideas and such. And so he says here to see to it. In other words, you have the capacity to do battle with these things. You can choose not to be taken captive to these ideas. Now, unlike a nation coming in and physically taking you and putting you somewhere else, ideas don't physically come and take you and put you somewhere else, which means you have the potential to do battle on a very different uh, battlefield. Warren Wiersbe said the Christian life is a battlefield, not a, a, a battleground, not a playground. And so we understand that there is a battle that takes place for the hearts and minds of believers and even unbelievers. The devil is seeking to keep unbelievers from coming to truth and faith in Christ. And ultimately, the devil is also, since he can't get believers per se uh, away from God, he tries to mislead them so at least they're unfruitful. Uh, maybe they begin to adopt strange ideas and things like this. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive to these things. How do we do that? How do we see to it that no one does this? Well, for one thing, we stay in the truth of God, the, the word of God. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we say that statement because it, it's, it's a very clear pointing to Jesus being the only way. But think about what each of those terms means, and in particular for our context today, truth, right? I mean, he is the way. In other words, there are many roads. Uh, matter of fact, broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads, uh, the road that leads to everlasting life. Well, Jesus is that way. Well, based on the truth of who he is, right? There's lots of ideas about what's true and what is true about Jesus or what makes him unique and special, or is he or is he not unique and special? Uh, but he is the way and he is the truth. He is the source of all of our understanding of what truth is. He is the ultimate truth that we were created to ultimately know and enjoy and walk with and have relationship with. And again, that leads to life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and eternal life, by the way, in that context, is kind of a connected aside. Uh, eternal life is not just a really long time, but the idea is an eternal quality of life, a different kind of life entirely, something that is fundamentally different than the kind of life that we have currently here outside of heaven before we cross the threshold. And that does connect somewhat to what Paul is talking about here. He doesn't want us taken captive to ideas that would ultimately enshackle us, ensnare us, lead us away from the truth and the life that comes in that full relationship with Christ. Again, there are lots of ideas out there that, that can do this, and there are also people who are propagating false teaching. And uh, it was writing the Corinthians. Paul said, "You know, if the angel can, uh, the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. It shouldn't surprise us that his messengers do the same thing." Well, who are his messengers? You know, typically speaking, it's false teachers. Uh, and so this becomes the responsibility of all believers to be able to discern the error of false teachers, and we discern by knowing the truth. We we judge truth against uh, error against truth. And when we know the truth, when we are filled with a deeper understanding of the truth of God as in the scripture, not just sort of this ethereal, I just know truth. No, but we know the truth of God as he's revealed it to us. Now we can discern error when it comes our way. And so we stand against those things as believers. This is especially true for pastors and teachers. Uh, those who would hold up the word of God and, and teach it with the intention that people might grow to be healthy and strong and able to discern error and deception and that they'd walk away from it. It becomes the responsibility of pastors and teachers to warn people against error and that kind of a thing. As a matter of fact, you know, we've mentioned this many times along the way whenever we touch on the subject. 
uh, Paul in Acts chapter 20 calls the Ephesian elders together and he tells them that after my departure, ravenous wolves will come in and not spare the flock. They'll seek to devour. He's not talking about animals with four legs running in with sharp teeth, but he is talking about something that is every bit as dangerous, but on a spiritual level. He's talking about false teachers who will come in and seek to destroy the flock. They are wolves and they'll come in. And he even says they'll come in from among you. In other words, there's going to be those that are even claiming to be believers, those who are within the body of Christ, not not genuinely saved, but they come to church, they sit in the pews next to us, they uh, interact with us, and they talk spiritually and this kind of a thing. Paul is telling these pastors in, in Ephesus to beware of this, to be ready to shag these wolves off, to get them out of here, to run them out of Dodge. And that becomes the responsibility and the and and the uh, really the important call of a of a of a pastor and teacher. Uh, and, and again, this is kind of a word for those who are in leadership. You know, the, the idea of a pastor is a shepherd, somebody who uh, not only feeds and leads the flock as under shepherds to Christ, who who as Jesus would leads them beside still waters, green grasses. Um, you know, sets a table before them, all these different kinds of things to make sure they're well cared and well tended. Uh, and part of the job is is knocking wolves out of the pictures, getting them out of here. Um, and and we've had to do that over the years. There have been both in our church in Illinois, and there have been a couple of times here, even in our church in Franklin, Tennessee, where people have come in and I've had to sort of usher them out and just sort of set up a barrier and, and sort of correct that error as they've tried to begin to propagate it. And I've had to sort of uh, protect the sheep that way. That becomes a responsibility of all pastors and teachers. It's not a popular job. Sometimes people don't understand what you're doing when you're doing that. And they don't, and because they don't understand, they maybe think you're being a little harsh. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't take much for a wolf to come in and pick off a, pick off a sheep. And suddenly that sheep is off, uh, off the reservation somewhere and they are following all kinds of crazy doctrines and that. And what has happened? They've been taken captive away from that fullness that comes in Christ. Now again, he says you're coming back to the text uh, empty, uh, by uh, philosophy and empty deceit. Um, again, philosophy, the pursuit of knowledge, the idea of, of understanding things. Well, knowledge is a good thing. It's good to learn and to understand things deeply, right? But when, uh, when that pursuit of maybe esoteric knowledge or, or some knowledge that isn't taken captive to, you know, that thought brought captive to Christ, it can become something that is misleading and ultimately takes us captive. Empty deceit. It's exactly what deceit is. Truth is full and rich and life-giving, but deceit is, by definition, empty of such things. And so therefore, when you're taken captive and led astray by various philosophies and teachings, you ultimately have been deceived and brought into a place devoid of life and truth. And again, every believer has a responsibility to feed ourselves with the Word of God so that we might not be taken captive. We need to pray and draw close to Jesus personally so that we wouldn't be led astray, so that we know what it means to follow the Good Shepherd and we understand by definition, if we do, what it means to be led astray by a false shepherd. And we can avoid that. We can discern against that by knowing the truth of God. And again, the elemental spirits, those basic underlying principles of the world and not according to Christ. Okay. 
there is clearly a battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There is clearly a battle between Satan trying to undermine all that Christ is doing. And even as at the end of the passage we read today, Jesus, who is the head of all rule and authority, ultimately all things come under his authority. Satan himself is under Jesus' authority ultimately. This is not a battle of equals by any means, by any definition, in any way whatsoever. Satan is a defeated foe who's been given a time to serve the purposes of God, ultimately to give people that opportunity to choose to follow and respond to the gospel. But the devil himself is not going to win someday. He's not going to somehow outsmart God and, uh, and, and Jesus is going to scratch his head and say, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. No, Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. One day, literally, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those on the earth, under the earth, in other words, people, spiritual beings, demons and such, everything will ultimately be subject to him. That's a foregone conclusion. That's not an if, it's a when. And so therefore, why go after those things that would lead you astray? Why go after those things that are empty and, uh, and an empty deceit? Why go after those things that are ultimately going to pass and vanish away when Jesus finally does uh, decide it's time to set things right? Why go after those things? They're empty, they're lacking, they leave you wanting, they're unsatisfying ultimately. Uh, but ultimately in Christ, there is full satisfaction. There is the relationship that is the relationship we were created for. There is uh, the knowledge of what is good and right and beautiful. And we're invited to come and enjoy those things, not just know about them theoretically, but to live a life walking with him free of those things that would rob us of the joy and the beauty and all that God has created us ultimately to enjoy in knowing him. So again, he says here, for in him, verse nine, dwell uh, in him, uh, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him. The fullness of God dwells in Christ. It's one of the great statements of the deity of Christ himself. Uh, when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, speaking to his disciples, that was not just, you know, allegorical or something like this. He actually is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Son is every bit God as much as the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so in him dwells the fullness of God. And you and I have been made complete in him. We've been made full in him. In other words, there's no need to go after things that are less than what is the best or the highest or the greatest or the fullest. There, anything else is settling for something else. And it's important for us as believers in, in our lives to realize this because there are so many things that will seek to lead us astray. We talked about false teachers, but what about just the general principles of this world? Uh, whether it's TV commercials or the media or movies or things like this, things that generally are driven to lead us to a place of self-seeking. You're worth it, just do it. Uh, earn, achieve, climb, be all that you can be and all this kind of thing. Things that satisfy or seek to satisfy the flesh but ultimately don't. Well, we need to watch those things because we can become captive to them. We can become captive to pursuits that ultimately end fruitlessly or leave us short of any of, of what we expected them to deliver. Matter of fact, I think it was, uh, I think it was Deion Sanders. You can, if you know this story, you can, and if I'm wrong about who, I'm, who this is, you can correct me on it. 
uh, but I think it was Deion Sanders, uh, who had grown up his whole life wanting to just be the best in this sport and everything. Well, ultimately, he gets a Super Bowl ring. And, uh, and with that Super Bowl ring comes all the accoutrements. He, he gets the car, he gets the house, he gets all the stuff that comes with that extreme high level of success. He's gotten to where he's always wanted to be. And he tells the story about it. And he says, you know, there was a time, I was, one, one of those nights I was lying in bed after I'd accomplished everything I'd set out to do. I'd finally arrived at the place I dreamed about my whole life. And I found myself empty. I'd finally achieved it and it left me unfulfilled. Well, you know something? There's, some, there's a lot to be taken from that. Now, I don't know if he was a Christian before, but I know at least since he is a believer. And, and he speaks about these things with the intent of helping us to recognize that there really is nothing that satisfies as Jesus does. Again, he had accomplished everything that he'd wanted. He'd reached the top of his field. He'd, uh, he'd gotten all the stuff that he'd been looking forward to his whole life and then it left him empty. We shouldn't miss the lesson of that, especially as Christians. You know, this is a great thing for even unbelievers to realize that these pursuits, even as Solomon would say, it's all vanity and grasping after the wind. But believers especially, you and I as followers of Jesus should recognize this and take a, a lot of our cues from that kind of a mindset to understand that though life is to be enjoyed, life is something that God has given us. He's given us so many beautiful things to enjoy. He's given us pleasures in life that are wonderful, modest, true, good, holy, right kinds of pleasures, not lewd, sinful kinds of things. But he's given us so much to enjoy in this life. But those things are given to us by the hand of the giver. They're not the ultimate themselves. They're simply good gifts from him uh, that loves us, uh, he who loves us. And so, when we make those things the main thing, then we make the mistake of seeking that which ultimately leaves us unsatisfied. But when we seek Him, uh, what did was it C.S. Lewis that said when you when you seek after the world, uh, oh gosh, how did he say it? When you seek after the world, uh, you don't get it. But when you seek after God, you get Him and you get the good things in the world all together. So I totally butchered that beyond belief, but. Anyway, hopefully you get the idea. But the point being that, you know, when we seek after the things of the world, we're going to find ourselves, like, again, Deion Sanders, this great athlete, finding ourselves unsatisfied. We've been taken captive by a pursuit that has left us unsatisfied. But in Christ, there is full satisfaction. What does it say in Psalm 16, 11? In your presence is fullness of joy. Lord, you are my portion. It's not the things in this world. It's he himself. And that's the beauty of what it means to be a Christian, is that our relationship, our, our desire for deep satisfaction, our, our purpose in existing is all found in him. And when we ultimately pursue anything else, it leaves us high and dry. And, and, and hopefully we don't have to learn the hard way, the things we're talking about right now. But we can choose them. We can uh, see to it that no one takes us captive, that no temptation that comes our way ultimately takes us captive, but rather we find our rest, our fullness, our all in all in him, him who has filled us uh, to the full. And so a good warning and a good practical, even a good devotional thought to consider really, because it's about the relationship with God and Christ that ultimately we're called to enjoy. And there are so many things that would seek to lead us astray, but our fullness is found in him alone. 
And so, Father, we thank you for the clarity that these kinds of words can bring us to help us to, and warn us to not go after those things that would leave us unsatisfied and leave us um, realizing that we've made the mistake of going after it when we should have instead been pursuing you. And the good news in that is that you actually have pursued us first. We love you because you first loved us. You're the one who ultimately satisfies. You're the one who fills us to the full. You're the one who brings us fullness of joy in that. So Father, help us not to be taken captive by anyone who would mislead us, any false and empty deceit, any philosophy that sets itself against you, any of these things, Father, that lead us astray. Father, help us to be discerning as we study your word, as we pray and get to know you better through these things, through these avenues, your word and prayer and fellowship with other believers who are in love with you. As we spend our time in these ways, help us to grow healthy and strong and able to resist those things that would seek to take us captive. Father, we pray for pastors around the world who are in situations where false teaching is beginning to permeate their ministries, that Father, you would, uh, if it's coming from them, that you would convict them of it and help them to change their way so they could teach the unadulterated green grass, living water of the word of God that could ultimately just bring health and life to those who hear it. Uh, Father, if there are those that are creeping into these churches, like Paul warned about in the book of Acts, help these shepherds to have the wherewithal and the courage and the trust in you to do what's right and and, and to just uh, chase off these wolves before they do damage to the sheep. Because, Father, that is a beautiful privilege but a great responsibility, and it's an important practice. And so, Father, give us all as leaders and pastors and such the ability to not put up with that kind of thing, but to protect those that you've put in our charge. And Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word, which gives us the truth as you have given it to us. And we thank you that, uh, Father, as we study the word of God, we cannot help but get to know all the better, the God of the word. And so we thank you and praise you. And uh, thanks again for giving us this word. Help us to take it deep to our hearts and uh, let it have its, its way. Let it germinate and bring great fruit in our lives as we live it out. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, if you have comments or thoughts or anything like that, feel free to give me a shout here on our comment section under our YouTube channel. Uh, or you, if you want to, uh, uh, if you're watching this on, on my personal website at parsonspad.com, or if you're listening, by the way, if you are watching these podcasts and you'd rather get the audio podcast, you can go to my website and you can subscribe to the audio there as well. So, um, and if you go to my website or to our church's website, you can email me there as well. The, the personal website is parsonspad.com, and the church's website is calvarychapelfranklin.com. And you can email me with any thoughts or questions or comments or any of those things as well. So God bless you until we meet again. May the Lord watch over us. Uh, be in prayer. Actually, uh, we have a seat on the Supreme Court that is uh, um, uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett is uh, being uh, vetted by the Senate right now and, and such and the committee to, to check her out and, and all that before they ultimately confirm. And so be praying for her and her family, be praying for our country uh, and just pray God's will be done in the days until Jesus comes to take us away and take us home, which is a day I'm looking forward to very, very much. Hopefully you are too. So here, there, or in the air, we'll catch you later and God bless you.